Hello, I'm Kenza, and this is the Finding Space podcast. Hello, and welcome back to the Finding Space podcast. The third episode of this series is a conversation with British rower Matt Rossiter. Matt talks about his journey through the junior ranks to the Tokyo Games and the difficulties injuries played on his career. Enjoy. Sport was always kind of everything. Um, I did uh, like my local rugby club under sevens twice. So I started age six. Um, yes, the under sevens was the youngest team. Did that twice and then played cricket, played tennis. Essentially just did anything I could get my hands on. And then I went to secondary school and I wasn't too keen on doing any rowing just because I was mad on cricket um, and mad on rugby. And then I, my dad rode at Cambridge. He did the boat race and I thought, oh, for his sake, I should give it a go. And didn't really enjoy it my first year. I was a bit small. I, was, I wasn't bullied, but um, I was called Big Bow Matt as I was a bit chubby and a bit, a bit crap. And then, then I did cricket in the summer term, absolutely loved it. And then the next year I grew a little bit and enjoyed rowing a little bit. And then by the time I was about 16, I ended up doing quite a lot. But I've, I've always been desperate to kind of excel in sport. And I'd say when I was younger, I was like, okay, at quite a few sports. And I remember thinking I'd love to really excel in something. And I think it's kind of been rowing. And I remember I had um, a book uh, during the Atlanta Olympics. I kind of wrote down all the sports that maybe I could do. And like cycling was one of them because I don't know if you remember when cable telly was installed, there's like a strip of tarmac. And I remember cycling on that strip of tarmac around my road, age six, seven. And I was like, yeah, cycling could be one. I don't know if rowing was on the list. Um, but yeah, and still to this day, like I'm mad on sport. It just happens that rowing's the one that I've kind of got so stuck with. Apart from the the family connection, there wasn't anything that was sort of at that point like, oh, just there's something about rowing that I'm really drawn to. Or was it just that it was the sport that you started to notice you were best at and you thought, I'll go down that route? Yeah, I think um, there were some like, after my first year, which I, I said I didn't particularly enjoy, there were some nice people who I was becoming mates with. So I think I partly enjoyed it, but then I, like, it, I was starting to go quite well. I think I enjoyed that and kind of enjoyed the the feedback of the results were like okay but I wouldn't I wouldn't say no that was a particularly good calling to it and, and even now I wouldn't say I particularly like love the sport of rowing I think I enjoy having been rowing but I think I just kind of like fell into it um whereas maybe I enjoyed other sports more but I just kind of just kind of went with it and I, I found it difficult at that age because you have to chop down everything like not even sports people all your subjects you have to kind of cut down and activities that you do and I found that quite difficult um and yeah rowing is the one that kind of stuck were you putting pressure on yourself to sort of because you had this desire to succeed in sport was that you know a conscious pressure you were putting on yourself or is that you sort of looking back on it now I'd say if, uh, somewhat somewhat a lot of pressure yeah. like I think um when I was 16 um I said I really wanted to kind of do the Great Britain Juniors and I probably did put a fair amount of pressure on myself and um, 
during lockdown, I was back at my parents' house and I was clearing out some drawers and there was a sheet of paper which had a load of goal sets on it and they were quite punchy goals for that for that point. Um, so I, ca- I probably can't quite remember how mo- motivated I was, but looking back at that sheet, like I was really quite driven and I probably actually took myself more seriously than I do now. Like I ate well, I hardly drank, I didn't really do much with my friends and was like really going at it. But I don't think... I put too much pressure on myself. I think I put more pressure on on my sport than my studies, which I kind of regret. Um, but I think it was like a healthy level. When you got to, I don't know what age it was, but was there an age where you consciously thought, oh, I'm a step above here. I am actually really good at this. Um, and obviously I don't know if that's easier to tell in, in rowing in terms of the dynamics of a sport because you're not always like on your own, you know, there's a boat dynamic, but was there a point where you thought, oh, I could really go quite far at this? No one's actually ever asked me that. That's quite a good question. I think um, the we use the rowing machine, like it's, it spits out a number, which isn't the be all and end all, but it's a very useful metric. And I think age 16, even though I wasn't particularly big, my numbers were like, the best in my year my year, year group at school and they weren't stunning but at that point I thought oh like that's quite promising and I wasn't particularly big or heavy and the numbers were like quite quite solid and then in my lower sixth year we did some testing with the guys in the year above and I I basically came out on top and I thought oh that's that's quite like exciting that I can do that and I think it was at that level and my school coach said look, we can get you to the Great Britain juniors. I think you have the ability. It's probably like age 16 or 17 when I realized that I like was lucky enough to have quite quite a decent engine. And yeah, maybe that was the kind of turning point. And at that moment when, you know, you've been, you've seen those numbers, you suddenly realizing that you're, you could go quite far with this. You've been asked to go to the GB squad, sort of junior squad. Was that all just excitement and you're not really thinking about it? Or was that a turning point? Were you suddenly putting more pressure on yourself because you're improving and you're expecting more from yourself? I'm sure with most like facets of life, you achieve one thing and immediately the goalpost shifts to the next thing. So I was desperate to make the junior team and I did. And then uh, the big event was the Junior World Championships. And I said, I need to win a gold medal. So then it was immediately that. And then I wanted to like win all the Ergo, the row machine scores that year. So I think it, it was like a constant what's next, what's next. And I think we ended up winning the Junior World Championships. And I remember thinking it was slightly anticlimactic. Like I always, I was like, if I got there and won, that would just be it. Like it would be like the pinnacle of everything. And I remember just thinking, oh, like what's next? And I, um, at the time, I was like, that's quite a strange feeling to have when, in theory, that was like the pinnacle of what I could achieve age 17. So, yeah, I think it's all I, my my kind of mind works the way of that it's always kind of what's next, what could be better. Rowing is one of the few sports, you know, uh, maybe athletic, cycling, a few of them that you can go to university, really, and and have it do a full degree and still compete and train at an elite level was that something that you struggled with or was that something that just because everyone did it that way it was just how you know how it was done and you didn't think of any other what was it like going through that sort of those years when 
you'd had so much success and then you're sort of straight into doing a degree like everyone else but still trying to push yourself in reality i think it i think i hit it a bit too hard i think i was i, I was in a weird place where i i enjoyed the rowing the like rowing guys but then i wanted to have a life at, outside of that so i never wanted to live with rowers um and wanted to have like a separate friendship group outside that. And I think it's because I'd been injured. I had a, a bit of a back injury when I was 18, when I was leaving school. And I was aware that things can go wrong. So I wanted to have that safety net of some like normal people. We, we called them muggles earlier. <laughs> and, um, and in reality, I basically burnt the candle at both ends. I'd kind of go out until, I mean, I was at Durham, so it's probably midnight when we would go home, get up early to go training. Um, Whereas I probably should have been like fairly sensible and I mean, gone out somewhat, but I think I just did everything a bit too much. Like I was living like a non-rower, but still training twice a day. And I think for that, that may have played a small aspect in why I got injured. But I think I saw it as a real kind of treat. Like I loved it. I was just, I'd, I'd probably moan about how busy I was, but I love, I still do love the, like the structure and being busy. So I was up at six, train, charge through the dining hall, get a bacon roll, charge up to the science park, do my lectures, charge to do some weights at lunchtime or whatever, back to lectures, back for dinner, and then go out in the evenings, then kind of repeat. And I I don't think I struggled. I think maybe in hindsight I shouldn't have done that because I came out with a 2-2 and a knackered back, whereas if I'd been a bit more sensible, maybe I could have gone to London, maybe I couldn't have. Um, but I saw it as very exciting. And I, w I wouldn't say in the, in, in the time I struggled um, as I was just having a sweet time. Maybe those situations where, whether it's physical health, mental health, or, or just you know, how you're performing in, in education or whatever, that it's they're quite big picture things. And they're very hard to realize at the time because you may be you're either doing something positive or negative, but it's a tiny thing every day. And it's quite hard to sort of think, well, you know, you were enjoying going out, you're enjoying living your life, but it wasn't sort of a standout thing of like, you really shouldn't be doing that. You really shouldn't do that because that is going to ruin your career of rower or whatever. But I guess those tiny things over a long period of time, you might look back on and be like, oh, I wish I hadn't done that. But that's such a difficult thing without an outside voice to think, well, this is fine. I'm doing great. You know, you were getting up every day. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there was, I had a really good relationship with the coach, probably like a, a closer relationship with my uni coach than I do now. Like we go for coffee every couple of weeks. I think I was in a privileged position where I was, I was given a rowing scholarship to be there. So um, I was looked after in that sense. Like I was given a fair amount of airtime and he, we'd kind of catch up regularly, but that'd be more to talk about my studies and my goals from a rowing perspective. And I'd probably hide the fact I was going out so much. Um, but definitely it's only with the benefit of hindsight that I can kind of look back and think, uh, some of the guys that I won my junior gold with went to the London Olympics and when that happened, I, f I found that really difficult. Like obviously I was happy for them, but also um, I was injured and couldn't even do the trial. So not, I can't sit here and say, oh, I, I would have gone, I was so hard done by, because I very much could not have, but I wasn't even at the trials, kind of bad back. And I think I was a bit like, oh, if I'd been a bit more sensible. But then, then I 
had a set of I had a choice at the time and I chose I chose the choice that I did so so I think I do have some regrets with that but I certainly had a great time and and I'm glad that I still have a network of mates outside rowing like we were talking earlier the majority of my mates live in London so I live here in Henley and it can get quite intense like a lot of the guys live here which I really enjoy but if it gets too much I can go to London and see some of the guys and not talk about rowing as they don't really know what it's about and if I wanted to have a moan and a whinge they'd be open ears but it's quite a nice kind of safety net if I want to kind of just get away from it and be Matt the guy from Durham not kind of Matt the Olympic hopeful rower and you had this back injury what obviously that is a terrible thing to go through in terms of any injury is hard to go through but as an athlete that takes you away from being able to do your job essentially um how did you get through that in a sort of not only physical but mental capacity was that something that you dealt with well was it something that you felt equipped to deal with you know how how was that process because it went on for a prolonged amount of yeah time. so i was probably i was probably 20 when my back first went um, and I was rowing with a guy called George Nash in Cambridge, who who now is Olympic champion. And that a few years after that happened, went to the London Olympics, got a bronze. I think to start with, um, I was just a bit hacked off and pursuing the kind of short term, and probably didn't manage myself particularly well. I'd broken up with like my childhood sweetheart at the time, so I just went out a load. Um, which wasn't good for my back. And I think I didn't really manage my body particularly well. Like I think I was I was okay in my own head, but I I didn't really get around any rehab properly. I think things were quite different. This is yeah, ten years ago now. So if I was to be injured now, I'd be given a really good rehab program and kind of like go for it that way. But then it was like see the physio and do a few exercises and rest, but it didn't work particularly well. And from that moment on, I, I like tried a bit of rowing every couple of months, but it, my back wasn't like very happy. Um, and I think as it kind of went from a two week problem to a two month problem to then a two year problem, I think as time went on, I kind of deconstructed a bit and then I'd arrange with the uni to pause my degree to have a crack at London. And then I had to kind of pull the plug on that and then saw everyone going to the Olympics. And I think when I realized that things weren't going to work out as I wanted them to do, I found that really, really difficult. Um, and my back like wasn't getting better. So A, I was kind of living in pain. It wasn't kind of screaming back pain, but I was, I was not particularly comfortable. And then, yeah, my final year, I was like, well, my back's never gonna get better. So I did a, did a load of cycling just because it still hurt my back, but I just wanted to get that competitive part of my life back which I which I really enjoyed but my back was still sore and then I left uni and I was kind of like oh man what do I do now like the plan had always been to go to uni go and be a full-time rower and I couldn't and I found that really difficult I think I'm I've worked out that I really don't like change as a person and this was a leaving uni with no plan like a lot of my pal my buddies had like planned to go and work for big banks they kind of had jobs starting immediately and I was like well I've literally got nothing to do so I'd arranged to work in the Olympic Village because I thought oh I can't row at the Olympics it'd be nice to work or be involved in some some capacity but that was just like even worse just like being there working in a shop 
hundreds of people coming through who didn't give a shit about you. Um, and then, yeah, seeing like all the rowers do so well, I, I didn't find that easy at all. And then I ended up moving back home with my parents. I, I, I thought I needed to give it one last shot to get my back better. And I was like, I want to do everything in my powers to do that. When before, I kind of half committed to a bit of this rehab, half committed to a bit of that. And I was like, right, I'm really, I deserve it to myself to have a crack. And I think it was at that point that I started to kind of take myself a bit more seriously. And it was, my motivation was kind of, I don't want to look back with any regrets. Like I'd kind of pissed it up the wall at uni a bit. And I was like, right, I'm now gonna have a real go at getting myself sorted. And I ended up seeing a really good physio and basically lived with my parents, worked an office job in the afternoon and just went to the local gym for three hours in the morning, just prancing around with all the yummy mummies on the stretching mats and doing Pilates and swimming and stuff. And gradually, gradually my back got a bit better. Um, but it was, I still found it very difficult, like watching all the guys go to the London Olympics, watching them succeed. Um, and it was always on my mind. It's, it's almost like they, they joke with the, the kid. It's like, oh, don't drop that bowl of soup. Then it's on their mind, then they'll drop it. It was always there. And then a friend of mine offered a job working in a marketing startup. And I remember chatting to mum at home. I was like, this isn't gonna be good for my back just to be sitting at a desk all day. And she was like, well, Matt, you got a tutu. These kind of job opportunities don't come up the whole time. It was a really fun company. I think you should go for it. You can do your rehab in a local gym. And so kind of reluctantly, I, t I took the job and moved to London, started all that. And it wasn't as good for my rehab, but kind of my back started to get better. And I really think it was because less of my kind of like bandwidth was focusing on how sore my back was and how sore I was for myself, that I was kind of engaged with with working. I, I was given this whole project that I had no idea how to do, so I was quite focused on that. And then training in the morning and gradually, gradually, my back started to get better and uh, like progressed, progressed. And now I'm kind of very on the national team again. But um, yeah, I think I, I, it was definitely a really dark period of my time and I think of my life and I think seeing other people do what I wanted to do was the hardest. And I think I was probably quite a gift, gifted junior. Like I was lucky enough to have an engine and I could row okay. Whereas some people weren't particularly talented but had worked really hard. And I was like, that's so unfair that I'm like talented but my body's let me down. Um, so looking back on it, I'm like really proud that I decided to kind of sort my back out. Um, but it definitely like ups and downs. And I think it took me leaving uni to be like, right, what do I really want to do with my life? And deciding that I want to be true to myself to give it a go. That was the moment when I probably kind of kicked myself into shape to be like, let's really sort this out. And then, yeah, I feel very like lucky that I'm in the position I am now. And obviously you don't need to go into it any more than, than you feel you have to, but if you can maybe explain sort of those going through that time it is something that a lot of people might go through, whether that's away from sport or within sport, but having an injury is something that's such a difficult thing to deal with. And on top of that, you said, you know, you're going through that, but almost you know, antithesis of what you wanted. You've got the two week period that was supposed to be everything. 
and became the exact opposite. Um, you know, were you feeling like mentally down every day? Was it something you were consciously very aware of and it was changing your life in terms of how you were acting? Or was this something that over time was building and, and you know, got worse and worse? I think like 10 years, well, eight years on now, I probably couldn't give you a direct answer to that. I can just remember that the the pain that I felt in my back would completely dominate my mood that day. So if, if I was having a bad, as I've said before, my back wasn't horrendous. It was just not good enough to row on. So days when my back was sore, I was really bummed out. I wouldn't say I was depressed, but I was like, this is, this is shit. Like I'm funneling everything into this. I literally was doing everything I could to help. So days when my back was sore, I'd be, I'd be really bummed out. And then days it was good, I'd be pretty positive. And I think at points I was very good at thinking, right, all I can do is all I can do. So not to think about the consequences and, and things. But there were definitely days when I'd kind of sit back and be like, oh, I was like, how the hell has this gone so wrong? Like, I remember one day I was in the gym and I just, I burst into tears because the song of the BBC montage, I love a BBC montage, but this was like the closing ceremony one with like slow-mos of all the medals. And I like, um, the song that was that montage, I was like, just burst into tears. And I was like, how has this gone so wrong? Like, I was meant to be at the Olympics and this literally completely slipped away from me. And now I'm just like, worthless when in reality now I'm probably far more level and I I still get injured now and I think I have to be very careful to not slip into that old mindset and I've definitely had it before like everyone gets niggles in sport now and I have to work hard to not associate it with what happened before because then back pain then meant all that emotional pain of not being able to do what I want to do not being able to go to the Olympics that life that I planned it was going down the shitter. Whereas now it's like, well, if something's sore, it's nothing to do with that. Like it's something I know how to treat it and it's hopefully not gonna end my career like the back injury could have done. Was the boat somewhere that was a happy place for you? You know, obviously you'd gone through that difficult time of like rowing, I don't know if it felt like the last place you wanted to be uh, when watching other people win those golds and and medals. But when you got back in the boat, was that a relief for you or was it a difficult thing to go through? Oh, no, it was was a massive relief. Like, I think um, I was like so excited to to be able to do it. Yeah, so I, I I basically had to like completely retrain my like body to be able to support my back again doing loads of swimming and cycling and gradually that progressed the rowing machine and then into the boat and it was like it was it was really exciting um but then as soon as you do it you I'm probably a bit of a perfectionist so as soon as you do it it's like oh it needs to be better it needs to be better but it was like getting back in a boat I was like this is like a really exciting time and I didn't definitely didn't associate it with all the pain of before I was like well this is kind of the starting block um to go and I and I really I really enjoyed like my life again much like uni w- was fairly hectic like I lived in in West London and would cycle 10 miles to the office in East London and then train in the morning and then in West London and just literally be cycling around the place but I kind of loved again I loved being busy and 
I remember when I was working, I was like, all I want to do is be rowing full time. And I was like, I worked for a really fun company, like loads of young people. You could wear whatever clothes you wanted, work whatever hours you wanted. Like I was really lucky to work there and they were, they were really good to me. They kind of let me flex my hours to train. And even though it was such a fun company, all I wanted to do was kind of be rowing. And I think that's kind of reinforced constantly that I really did want to kind of do it. So I didn't at all see it as painful. I was like, I really want to be doing this. And I could see I was making progress and that like really fired me on. And by the sounds of it, I mean, you haven't mentioned it, but at any point, did you want to pack it in? Uh, I can't really remember thinking that. I think I, I saw people that were going to the Olympics and I, I remembered and knew that I knew I could get to that kind of standard. And the, I, I one wanted to get my back in a good position to kind of have a happy life. I was like, I can't just have a niggling back for my whole life. Like, what kind of life is that? And then I was like, I like being fit. I like kind of being outdoors and training hard. So I don't think at any point I was like, right, I need to call it a day. I think a few mates from uni said, look, Matt, this isn't going to work out or whatever. But I, I think deep down, I always believed that I, I had to give it a go. And I, d I don't know if it was motivation that I wanted to do it or I wanted to not look back with any regrets. But I don't really remember any days that I was like, oh, I actually need to call this a day. Like you obviously wake up and you like, I can't be bothered to train today. But never like actual constructive thoughts of I, I don't want to do this the pandemic hit a lot harder than maybe a lot of people thought and the olympics have been postponed were you had you been had selection been made at the, at the point that it was cancelled yeah we um we did we did our kind of final olympic testing tail end of march um and a lot of the guys on the team moaned that we don't get any exposure and basically everything had shut down, like the Premier League had finished. I think the Six Nations had finished, the rugby had finished, and we were like, oh, Matt, maybe this is our time, like the final Olympic trials, maybe there'll be like loads of exposure, but obviously there wasn't. But um, yeah, so we finished our selection early um, and we got announced um, on a Saturday. I was selected in the Olympic Four. And then from that day, we were sent away from the training center with a rowing machine and some weights the Monday three days after the Olympics was can was postponed cancelled and then on the the next day on the Tuesday we were told we were kind of officially deselected so it all happened quite quickly do you think the combination of one being selected so you'd you'd almost been given that achievement mm. already I know you'd still have to compete and hopefully yeah, yeah, win yeah. but you had succeeded to get there and then putting that together with the stuff that you'd gone through with the injury, London, Rio, that period had, you know, that other people may not have been through. You were able to deal with that in maybe not consciously, but you, you actually know how to deal with these situations. Yeah. There's actually, I actually hadn't really articulated that in my own brain, but I think, it, I think it is exactly that. I think I, so going back to when I was injured, I don't think I ever, wanted to sack it in but I constantly had doubts whether I was good enough and I still I still have that now like even with that Olympic trial before it all got locked down like I won the Olympic trial in a pair with my pair's partner Rory and the the preparation had all gone quite well but even 
daily I'd have doubts be like why am I here I'm no way good enough and I think getting selected it was like oh like I am good enough like I've made the Olympics and I think the selection this year was like really fierce just like constant bollocks from the coach a lot of um kind of the the favorites were kind of given a shoulder nudge you get ignored in the corridor if you had an off day and I found that very difficult but then I'd never I'd never really got as far as the Olympics the goal was to to be at the front end of the trials and to be selected and like I was so mindful of that because the selection was so intense that I I hadn't got to the competing bit and I think maybe that's why I've been lucky to not really been too worried about it because the goal was the selection and then once that had happened then you kind of move forward so I think yeah it's exactly that like I was like well I've kind of reinforced myself that I can be here can be at this level um and then yeah I hadn't really kind of got to the Olympics part you know do you think that there is a way to have a extremely healthy person and someone who wins five Olympic gold medals you know are those things in the same category or will you always have someone who has a damaged mental health because they've had to win those titles yeah I mean it's like a really interesting topic and so our head coach Jürgen Grobler left I mean in somewhat contentious circumstances that us the athletes don't really know the full story yet I'd imagine and I look back on him as being quite the taskmaster so a lot of pushing um but I with hindsight the, the day, day one I walked in the door he said you're here under your own free will and you're not here for money and riches you're here to try and go to the Olympics and win a medal at the Olympics and you're here with your own free will and it's your choice to come in and he, he was quite firm and I wouldn't say he's a bully and I find it he, he's now left and my immediate reaction was this is really good we can be happier people with better mental health but then I'm like do we need to have kind of firm people I know in in cycling kind of Brailsford's probably very tough and Shane Sutton got has been kind of told off for being kind of quite firm and it's now a bit like less kind of pressurized in our training center but then I think is that necessarily a good thing? Like people could be happier. You'll never know with different regimes, like an objective measure, whether people be happier, but will results be affected? Like if you look at all the kind of great leaders of sport, like Alex Ferguson, I'm sure he wasn't particularly nice to everyone or yeah, Brailsford, I'm sure was very tough on people. And our old coach Jürgen was tough on people. Um, so I don't really know. Like it's an interesting one. And I, and I know that the kind of future of, of life and sport is to kind of make happier people. We should make faster athletes and better results. And I guess time time will tell, and I don't really know the answer. Um, but for, for me, I find being pushed, I, li- I like being pushed and um, training hard is like a real like release from the worries of life. Like I f- it's kind of like my chance to switch off um, from everything else that's kind of going on. I I enjoy it. Like I've, I often struggle in our time off from training. So we get three weeks off in the summer and 
my first summer in the team in that in that period I like had a real wobble um and as a result have like spoken to therapists and and still do to this day just to kind of like keep myself level um and which is interesting it was the time when that pressure was off that I really struggled um but coming back to the original question like I think it it is very interesting and I think you probably can have people who who are really happy um and do very well um but do you have to be firm to get the best out of people um I don't really know the thing I find infuriating with kind of like systems and is it's very easy to communicate well and like now we have like whatsapp or like email like it's very easy to just give give the details of all the important stuff and that's something that Jürgen I don't think did particularly well and the kind of purist would, would argue that he will tell you nothing so your only option is to train hard to kind of gain his trust and his information but which I which I struggled with, whereas I think everyone should be rewarded with the bare bones and be empowered to know what's required of you, and to know where the goalposts kind of kind of are. But I think I think sport is definitely getting there. Like I think even with like just casual talks with with mates, like if you're having a shit day, you can say or or I'm very open that I speak to a therapist. Like it doesn't bother me, and I think that's a real shift from where it would have been maybe four years ago. Um, and we have we have a couple of psychologists on the team that can talk to you probably more about performance stuff, less kind of like life worries and everything. Um, but there's definitely kind of like an arm there if you need it, um, which I think is really good. And I think, I do think happier athletes will train better and hopefully get better results. I think the best boats I've been in, you just do have a good time. And if, and if you're kind of not all tense and stressed, you'll inevitably be more relaxed and then row better and probably go go like a lot faster. And I think a lot of that comes kind of from the athletes. Like the coaches have to be tough at points, have to set, or certainly have to set a tough program, which will run you down and you'll feel knackered. But if the spirits are kind of high, then you can get through it and like have a much more enjoyable time. And you've had some, as you said, some incredible achievements. You've had, you know, a, a, a tough middle middle section, and and seem to be coming back on the rise. Like what those moments that I not necessarily just winning medals, like you say, like coming off the boat and having breakfast and, and chatting. What, how do you do? You treasure those moments? Do you consciously like package those moments up? You said obviously when you were a kid, you wrote that list of goals. Do you look back on them and think, "Oh, I've done this, that, and you know, and that gets you through," or do you just sort of look for the next sort of high? I guess. Yeah, I think I've. I think I was chatting to my big sis about this. I think I, I'm reluctant to kind of like sit back as I'm like, there will become a time when I can sit back and <laughs> like admire my my shelf of medals. But <laughs> I, I, I think like it's a dangerous position to kind of sit back and I'm always like, right, what's what's the plan? What's next? But I think like I, we talked about it outside, like I'd like to keep a diary and just write down some of the stupid shit that we talk about at training. Like so many times people just be pissing themselves with laughter and I know it's that that I'll miss. Like I... 
there's an ex-rower called Tom Stallard who who won a silver at Beijing and then he now is uh, the McLaren race engineer so he's on the pit wall talking to the drivers like nailed his, his transition I said oh do you do you miss rowing he's like well I do triathlons to stay fit and be competitive I have my, my job which is epic but I miss second breakfast with the boys so that's like really hit hit me and I'm like I really need to treasure like those moments because when you're with your colleagues can you just like have breakfast every day and and chat shit but I think you can definitely sit back like I uh, having won junior worlds I didn't really win anything proper until we won the European champs in 2019 and sat on the podium like my my big sis was there and she was crying because I'd had like a really I'd had like a rough time not, nothing to do with rowing like I like a depressive or an anxiety like period and she was crying as I'd like come through that to win the European champs and that was like a really epic moment I remember thinking oh this is great like just bottle this up but then in two weeks time we had our next race so it's impossible to kind of sit back and be like oh I've done it but that'll always be there and I've got some photos that just like I've actually got some like canvases up my wall and they'll always make me smile and be happy but I think for now I feel that I have to constantly kind of push for the next one and then when I'm finished I can kind of enjoy what I have achieved um but I guess it's like bottling the not the achievements bit like the hanging out with the boys bit that is kind of hard to articulate but maybe need to start a diary or something thank you for listening if you would like to see the portraits from this week's episode please go to findingspace.cc for more interviews like this please subscribe to the finding space podcast